Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies, spoiler-free reviews, interviews with actors, all the things on this podcast. And today, it is the Oscar episode. The nominations came out last week, and I got all my notes here. We're going to predict the Oscars. You ready for it? I'm ready. Also going to talk about some snubs, some surprises. We'll get into a Best Picture nominee review. Really excited for this week's episode, so let's waste no time and let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, I am excited for this episode. The Oscars are basically like my Super Bowl. I look forward to them every single year. And this year has just been a really weird year for film because everything's been adapting to the way we watch movies now. The Oscars have been delayed. It's going to be a weird award show. And what I think I love about the Oscars, I don't think we're going to see this year because I like seeing all the celebrities and all the actors, not only all together at once, but these are people you don't really see out a whole lot. They're famous and you don't really get that kind of view of them all together. You get moments like the Ellen thing where they all take that big selfie. And I think that's why I like the Oscars so much, more so than the Grammys. So... And also, I watch all these movies and I'm like, all right, I think I have this down. So I've narrowed it down to the top eight categories. I think we could go on and on going into all the other categories, but I think these are the eight that we look for every single year. And we'll work backwards, starting first with original song. And we are doing our Oscar picks. So Kelsey, my fiance and co-host, will read the award category, the nominees, and then I will give my pick here on the Oscar episode, starting first with original song. Who we have over there? All right, we have Fight For You from Judas and the Black Messiah. I will always, always fight for you. I will always, always fight for you. So that's by her. Who else we have in there? 
Hear My Voice from the trial of the Chicago 7. Hear my voice. Hear my All right. We have Husevic from Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. We have in there. Scene from The Life Ahead. And lastly, Speak Now from One Night in Miami. I think this is an interesting category this year, mainly because Will Ferrell is nominated. And I was listening to all these songs as I was loading them in. And really, that's the one that stuck out to me. Like, this sounds like it could win. The Eurovision one? The Eurovision song. Mainly because I think out of all those, it's the best put together song. And just for that movie to be nominated, for Will Ferrell to get a nomination, I think that has a little bit of weight to it. And then all the other, I mean, best original song. There, I, for me, I don't think there's been a great one in years. One that I was like, that without a doubt deserves to win. I feel like movies really don't have the greatest songs written for them anymore. Like back in the day, I felt like it was a lot more prominent to have a movie, like have a song written for a movie, be the title song and then go on to win an Oscar. I don't feel like we've had that in a long time. And I don't think any of these other songs are it. So I'm going with the song from Eurovision Song Contest, mainly because it's a movie about that. So I'm going with that one. That is my pick for best original song. All right, next category. Animated feature film. We have Onward, Over the Moon, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, mm. Soul, and Wolfwalkers. Okay. They won the Golden Globe. So I think this is an easy one. I think it's going to be Soul. Without a doubt... I think that's the movie that kind of transcended not only being a Pixar movie that kids like, but also a lot of adults. I almost think that more adults like Soul than kids did. I, online, pretty much all the reviews I saw were from adults. Again, I probably wouldn't see kids now that I think about it reviewing it. Yeah, kids don't have, they haven't had an existential crisis yet. They haven't, they haven't hit their mid-20s. <laughs> they haven't hit that, which I felt that movie really wasn't a kid's movie. It dealt with things that I think now adults are dealing with, so... That's kind of why it resonated with people so much. And I think that's an easy shoe in for animated feature films. So that is my pick. On to the next category. All right. Actress in a supporting role. Maria Bakalova, Borat subsequent movie film. Glenn Close and Hillbilly Elegy. Olivia Coleman in The Father. Amanda Seyfried in Mank. And Yan Yu Young in Minari. I think this is a really strong category. Ooh. Like... I don't think Hillbilly Elegy was a well-received film all the way around. And I think that's not really going to win Glenn Close for that one. And I feel like Borat being in there... Like, I'm surprised that movie gets nominated as much as it did. Because it's such a ridiculous movie to be nominated for an Oscar. I think it's cool to see. But I don't really see Borat winning many Oscars this year, if any. Minari was really good, but I don't feel like her role in that was an outstanding supporting role. So I'm think I'm I'm in between 
Amanda Seyfried and Olivia Coleman. And basing it on Olivia Coleman being such a prominent actress, I really liked her in The Favorite. I'm going with her in The Father to win this one. I think she has it. That is my pick for actress in a supporting role. Moving on now to the next category. What do we got? Actor in a supporting role. Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of the Chicago 7. Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah. Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami. Paul Racy, Sound of Metal. And Lakeith Stanfield, Judas and the Black Messiah. An interesting category because you have two people from Judas and the Black Messiah who both did a really great job in that movie. And sometimes I get confused myself of why they put basically the two main characters from a movie both in, in a supporting role. Like, it's kind of weird how they determine, like, a supporting role when really they were both the main characters. I guess overall in the story of that movie, they both support each other. I feel like they both could have been nominated for Best Actor, really. So I feel like that's going to kind of hurt them, that the votes get split there for Judah and the Black Messiah. But I think they both kind of deserve to win. Again, I don't think Sasha Baron Cohen is going to win anything. I mean, he's nominated for Borat. And, well, I guess Borat is nominated, and he's nominated for A Trial of Chicago 7. I thought he was great in that. He was funny. But I don't think that's Oscar-worthy. Paul Racy was good in Sound of Metal. I mean, I think it goes to Daniel Kaluuya. He was so good in that movie, and I think he was just a little bit better than Lakeith Stanfield in that. So I, I'm going with Daniel here. I think he's going to win. I feel really good about that pick, too. All right, next category. Actress in a leading role. Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andre Day, The United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand, Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman. I feel like this one comes down to two people, Carrie Mulligan and Promising Young Woman and Frances McDormand and Nomadland. And I kind of feel like Frances McDormand is the Tom Brady of Oscars right now. Like you like she only makes movies that get nominated for Oscars. And I feel like almost it's a little bit of Oscar bait to put her in a movie. So I really can't go against her. Although I really like Carrie Mulligan and Promising Young Woman, which we'll get into that full review later. I think she was just such a strong actress in that. And that character had such a unique range from being so vulnerable at moments when she's falling in love in that movie and then being so kind of like such a strong driven woman to go out with her plan in that movie. I feel like she had great range in that movie. I just don't feel like the Oscars would vote for her in that way. So just because she's a favorite and it was also a good movie. Like I'm not even downplaying that, but I think it's Frances McDormand here. I think she wins an Oscar next category. Okay. Actor in a leading role. Riz Ahmad, Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins, The Father, Gary Oldman, Mank, and Steven Yeun, Minari. This is a really strong leading role category. Now, I don't think any of these people are what I would consider A-list actors across the board, like household names, aside from maybe Chadwick Boseman. But they all had really great movies this year. And it's, it's almost hard to pick because they're so close. And what I determined was that I think they're going to honor Chadwick Boseman and have him win the Oscar for this, which he deserves it. And I think nobody else had that outstanding in a performance in this category. And when you kind of rank them up 
all on the board like that. I think you got to give it to Chadwick Boseman. And I think that would be a really special moment in the award show. I could see that being like a really emotional moment. Like I would watch the Oscars alone to see him win and somebody accept the Oscar on his behalf. And I think that's what they're going to go for. So I'm going with Chadwick Boseman as best actor. And I don't think anybody's ever won best actor before who's passed away. I know Heath Ledger won, but that was for best supporting actor when he played the Joker and got an Oscar for that. So I think that would be cool to see. So I'm going with Chadwick Boseman. All right, we have two more categories. Hit me with that next one. Best director. Thomas Vinterberg, Another Round, David Fincher, Mank, Lee Isaac Chung, Minari, Chloe Zhao, Nomadland, and Emerald Fennel, Promising Young Woman, which I love that there are two women. I know, two women here and two great movies. I think the two best movies in this category are directed by women. Chloe Zhao, like I, I watched some behind the scenes of her making that movie, and I really love the way she really takes her craft seriously and all the intricate details she put into that movie. And I think she's just a beloved director right now, more so than all the other people in this category. And I think that movie is going to sweep. Like, I know it doesn't have the most nominations, but I feel like that is an Oscar-worthy movie. So I'm going with her for Best Director. That's my pick. All right, final category, the biggest one of the night, Best Picture, my favorite thing to watch in the award show every year. Just because... Whenever you win Best Picture, it's mainly people arguing like, how did that movie win Best Picture? And then everybody goes to watch it and complains like, that wasn't the best movie. It should have been Sonic the Hedgehog or something. And I just love to see it because it's just fun. And it's weird to rank a movie as Best Picture. And I think what people don't get, it's not the most watched movie. It's not the most like highest box office. It's the most novel movie. Like who did the best job at making a movie in a way that nobody's done before or a story that hasn't been told. That is what a best picture is. So with that said, what are the movies in the category? Best picture, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. A pretty strong category this year. Like, out of all these movies, the one I was the most hyped while I was watching that I wasn't expecting was probably Judas and the Black Messiah. Like, at a point in that movie, I was like, this is one of the greatest movies I've seen in a while, to the point where I, like, stood up and walked around the room because it was so intense. I really like Minari because, while it was a simple story of just, like, a family living out the American dream, it was so well done. And it was just kind of an easy movie to watch with a really great story that I really enjoyed it. I don't think it's best picture worthy, though. Promising Young Woman, again, which we'll get into our full review later. I think we both liked that movie a lot more than we were expecting to, right? I loved it. I just don't know if it's best picture worthy. And then Sound of Metal was really an interesting movie. Like the whole premise of that is what made me want to watch it. It's about a drummer who loses his hearing while he's out on tour with his band. And then he goes and tries to learn how to be deaf and then get his sound, like get his hearing back and still be a drummer. A really interesting story. And the, the Trial of the Chicago 7 was also really great. And it's been a while since that movie came out. So I think that also hurts it a little bit, which is weird this year because usually award season is like right in like November and December is when all the movies come out that are going to be nominated for Best Picture. But since the awards have been delayed, it's just kind of a weird place that some of these movies came out so long ago that now we got to kind of remember how good they were. And I f- 
think the one that fits perfect in that is No Man Land because it came out on Hulu last month. It's kind of right there in that window. I think it has the most heat on it. Again, Frances McDormand, I don't bet against her. So best picture, I'm going with Nomadland. I just, even just watching the trailer for that movie, I like, I knew like this was going to be worthy of an Oscar. And I feel like sometimes they come out with these kind of Oscar bait movies to where you can just tell from the trailer that that's what they're going for. And I think that's, that's it. It's going to be Nomadland. So that is my vote for best picture. That is who I think will win this year, and we'll see how I rank up when the awards happen. Uh, We'll come back and talk about some of the snubs and surprises from the category, and then later we'll get into our review of Promising Young Woman. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. All right, back here talking about the Oscar nominations today. Let's talk about some snubs and surprises. 
I think the biggest snub was probably that the Five Bloods did not get nominated for Best Picture. I thought that was a shoe in to get a nomination. Another Chadwick Boseman role. And I was surprised not to see that. And also that Spike Jones wasn't nominated. Like, he wasn't nominated for Best Director was also surprising to me. And I guess the fact that, I mean, Chadwick Boseman only got one nomination. I felt like this was his year that, I mean, three of his movies came out. I felt like he should have got more nominations. I felt like that was a bit of a snub to him. Another one for me was Palm Springs did not get any nominations, which I love that movie. And you're rolling your eyes at me again, right? You loved that. I didn't feel like anything about that movie was Oscar worthy. I just thought it was such a different comedy. And it was so kind of like, it just, ha- I mean, it was nominated for Golden Globes. Didn't win there. <laughs> I just thought it was like that movie's chance and Andy Samberg's chance to get an Oscar nomination. I was going to say, you talk about Oscar bait. I feel like putting Andy Samberg in a movie doesn't, that's not Oscar bait. It's the opposite of Oscar the opposite. bait. So the fact that it was getting some recognition from the other award shows, I thought it would get something here. And I bet he was a bit bummed out it kind of reminded me last year when i loved uncut gem so much and adam sandler didn't get nominated so i feel the same way about andy sandberg i mean i don't think he's really chasing an oscar like adam sandler is but i feel like he came so close i mean it's it's hard to do so i felt like he would have texas twain i tell you what i think andy sandberg should have been nominated for an oscar right there (laughs) I'll tell you what. Anyway, I felt that was a pretty big snub. And then the other thing for me is that 2020 was such a weird year for movies. And there Just was, for movies? I mean, <laughs> well, a weird year for many things. 2020, it was just weird for the just movie Just weird industry. for movies. I mean, I couldn't go to the movies. What a year. But it was such a weird year for everything that I felt the Oscar nomination should have reflected that. And I feel like when we go back and look... I don't know if other people do this, but I do this, that I go back and look at different years of what was nominated for Best Picture and what won, just to kind of get an idea how the trends change in movies. I don't think anyone else here is doing that. (laughs) Well, that's what I do. I'll go back and look at, like, the year I was born, 1991, and see what movies were up for Best Picture. Dances with Wolves, by the way, (laughs) is what won that year, if you're wondering. But I felt like the nomination should have reflected what the year was and i feel like sonic the hedgehog should have got a nomination for something because at the time when that movie came out we've joked about that i know but it was the only new movie for a long time and i think looking back in history we should remember something like that like why was sonic the hedgehog nominated for this year Oh, it's because there was a global pandemic going on and movie theaters basically shut down along with everything around the world. We have Borat nominated instead. There you go. I mean, that's, yeah, I guess that is the compromise there. It's weird that a Borat movie in 2021 is nominated for any kind of Oscar. So that would have been a snub if it didn't get nominated either. So that's what I felt like were the biggest snubs of the Oscars. Some surprises were Amanda Seyfried got her very first Oscar nomination for Mank. How do you say her name? I think it's Seyfried. I feel like she said it different in interviews that I've looked at before. I know there's one thing where she complains of like people saying her name wrong. Seyfried? I think so. Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried. I think it's Seyfried. Seyfried. You could say it. It actually might even be Seyfried. I feel like she. I'm just going to say it so many times that it doesn't sound right. There was an interview she did that she said even her sister said her name wrong. 
So she doesn't, her family doesn't even know how to pronounce the name, apparently. Okay, I'll be quiet over here. But I just thought that that was interesting, her very first Oscar nomination. And then mainly, the biggest surprise I thought was that Will Ferrell got a nomination for the Fire song. (laughs) What's that movie called? Eurovision? The Eurovision movie. So I think that's a really kind of out there nomination for him. I don't feel like there were any other huge surprises. I felt like it was a little... Okay, this is kind of what we saw coming. When you total up the nominations, Mank has the most at 10 nominations, followed by The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, No Man Land, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7 are all tied with six. I think the only other real surprise is that Tom Hanks wasn't nominated for anything for News of the World, which, I mean, wasn't his best movie, but I mean... <laughs> what about the other Tom Hanks one we watched? Oh, Greyhound. Yes, there we oh, go. that he should be nominated for a Razzie if he's not nominated <laughs> for that one. I, I mean, he was probably the best part of that movie, but that movie was pretty terrible. Yeah, that's not saying much. But yeah, I think it was interesting that he wasn't nominated or that News of the World wasn't nominated because I think when you have the Oscars, you want these big celebrities and these big movie stars to go to the awards so that people watch. Yeah, but nobody's going this year. Yeah, but he's... Are st- they? Is it in person? I think it's... So, half in person the other people i, I kind of like that with the golden globes that people zoomed in at, le- at least for the when they announced the winners like my favorite was probably jeff daniels in like a chilling at home in his bed in a normal bedroom with like these normal white doors behind him in like a straight up jeff daniels shirt. was like in like the suburbs yeah <laughs> i bet like he was at a friend's house doing that he's like my internet's not working Can meanwhile everybody else is like in mansions Jason Bateman was like in Jennifer Aniston's like dining room. Mark Ruffalo was in like his kitchen. Yeah. His kids popped in. And Jeff Daniels was in the spare bedroom. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that will make this award show probably the lowest rated, just like the Grammys were this past, what, week or two ago that they came on. So, and I think the Oscars are also kind of watch if you're not a big movie fan. Because there's no musical performances. They're long, too. They're and very they long. And get into some of those award categories where you're like, I want to like respect the person for their craft and honor them, but I have no clue what this is for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have the sound mixing award on the air. That, that sounds like something you would enjoy. I do enjoy that, but I get so that other people don't want to see that. And I guess in the past few years, they have worked in some musical performances, like when Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper did Shallow. So I think they need more of that. But again, with the, the songs nominated this What's year, Will Ferrell gonna come what are you going to have Will Ferrell come out there? So that's why that category is so hard because there's not really big artists. Well, I mean, her who just won a Grammy is nominated. But other than that, who are you going to have go up there and perform? It's a, it's a hard thing to do for them. So I'm already anticipating that that headline comes out after they air. That'll be the lowest rated Oscars ever. And then there'll be people saying that we should stop doing them. I think you keep doing them. They're also so long. They are I mean, long. the Grammys were long. We were looking at each other like, is Three and a half hours. Is going to be over? I feel like they should do an hour and just do, I mean, like we did the eight categories. You, you can do those in an hour, hour and a half tops. That's really the ones that people want to see. So anyway, the Oscars are on April 25th on ABC. So we'll be watching along with our little score sheets. And that is our Oscar talk. So speaking of Oscars, we will talk about an Oscar-nominated movie now in our movie review. We're going to be talking about Promising Young Woman, a movie that we were both like, wow, 
That was really good once it was over. So again, we are spoiler-free on this podcast. Won't ruin anything that will take away from you watching this later. We'll just talk about the overall, what we thought about the movie, some plot points that you would just get from watching a trailer about it. That's it. Don't worry. We're not going to ruin this movie for you, especially because it's nominated. But before we get into this review, here's just a little bit of the trailer. I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. You okay? You are so pretty. I am a nice guy. Are you? One, two, three, four. So this movie is a movie about revenge. It's a young woman who was traumatized by a tragic event in her past that happened to her friend. And you end up learning more and more about her as the movie goes along. So it's kind of a mystery in a sense of like, why exactly is she doing the things she's doing in this movie? But basically, she is seeking out vengeance for what happened to her friend and kind of going and finding all the people associated with what happened to her. And I'm trying not to give away a lot about the movie because I think this is one that you can go into not knowing a whole lot about and really enjoy it, right? I knew nothing. I wasn't even going to watch it with you. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to watch this movie because it's nominated because also because I may be able to interview Bo Burnham who is in the movie and I'm like, I got to watch it. And you were like, okay, I'll watch it with you. And you I were, really only watched it because I woke up early this morning. You did. So I do a thing called Saturday Morning Cinema, which every Saturday morning I just watch a new movie. And you were like, eh, I'm already up. I'll read my book while you're watching this. And about 20 minutes into it, you were totally in. Yeah, I was no longer reading my book. You were totally into this movie. So what kind of grabbed your attention? Was it first the cast? Because it does have a great cast. It has an amazing cast. And it has like a... It's that dark humor. I found myself laughing at parts. And then I was like, where is this going? Yeah. And then I just couldn't stop watching. It is. Yes, it has some dark humor. And it's it almost, I thought it was going to be a bit of like a horror movie. Just have those elements. Because at the very beginning, the first scene, you're like, what is she about to do in this entire movie? But it ends up being somebody who is so kind of hurt by what happened to her friend and just wanted to see justice. And I think it's a great revenge movie and done in such a way that like I didn't know what was going to happen until the very end. And even then you're like, holy crap, like that was amazing. So what did you like about it? Again, I'm always trying to think how not to spoil things. Okay. I thought it was really well written. Yes. And you I think could- that's it. The writing, the story, like it keeps you guessing, but answers questions. Like I would ask a question and then like 10 minutes later it would answer it. So it answers your questions, but in a way that like keeps you engaged and like wanting to know more i think that is what sometimes movies like this get wrong to where they bring up a lot of points that never get answered or there's just something about them that at the very end you're like well then why did she do this at the beginning this one i felt it answered every single question and has one of the most satisfying endings of a movie that i've seen in a very long time like i love it when you can finish a movie and you're like you know what there's nothing in that movie that i would have done differently and I think it's also attributed to the lead in this movie, uh, Carrie Mulligan. Who's married to Marcus Mumford. Oh, That's my you, fun fact. You love celebrity couples. I don't know why I know so much about this. You know about who is married to who. Again, like last week we were talking about Paul Bettany and he is married to... Jennifer Connelly. So there you go. You're like a, an encyclopedia. I really am. Of celebrity couples. So. Let's do that one week. There's a game. Okay, there you go. Who who's is, married Who's to married who? to who? You'll be great at that. But it does have just such a great cast from Adam Brody to... 
also love him. Yeah, Bo Burnham in it, who I love. He's a great comedian. To Laverne Cox. To Jennifer Coolidge in a very un-Jennifer Coolidge-like <laughs> role. And there's Molly Shannon. There's uh, Christopher Mintz Plus, who is McLovin in Superbad. There's just a lot of people in this movie to where... There's also just that aspect of it of like, oh yeah, this person, I know them from that. So Connie Britton. Connie Britton. I forgot about that. There's also Max Greenfield from New Girl. And Alison Brie. Yeah. Like a, there's just an amazing cast. There's all some around. I like movies that have a big cast of people that you know. Which sometimes it's like, you know, like the four main people, but then all the other people are extras. But this one, there's just so many people from all different like from TV, from movies that are all in this movie. So that makes it fun to watch. I think there's also a cool visual aspect to this movie. To where the way she dresses and the way she kind of appears has like a style to it. Yeah. Even from like her house, like the decor in her house has a specific style to it to where I could tell that was like purposefully done. So I really like that about it. So again, the overall plot of this movie is she dropped out of med school early on because of the trauma of what happened to her best friend. And now she works at a coffee shop. And what she does is she goes out to clubs to meet men, and she pretends that she's intoxicated to trick them into thinking they can take advantage of her. She goes home with them and then kind of does the switcheroo of like, hey, I'm actually not intoxicated, and I'm revealing that you are a total creep. And so she does that throughout the movie and then uses those same tactics and other tactics to find the people that you'll later learn in the movie what happened to her best friend, but who were associated with that, and does these things to put them in situations to make them regret what they did and how they reacted to her and to know that she did them wrong, she did their friend wrong, and now she's out to get some revenge. So I just thought that was a great premise, and there's some things that she does in the movie that I'm like, holy crap, that is awesome. Like, to put, like, especially what she does to Connie Britton's character in the movie. Yeah. That was intense. That was, like, so, like, she's going above and beyond to really make a point here and I think it was in that scene specifically that the movie kind of took a shift to where she was just doing things on a kind of on one level but took it to a whole other level to where it kind of played on the rest of the movie to how intense she got it's very calculated yes and that was at a, a great point in the movie and I thought it a fantastic scene so I think it's it's worth it to watch like it's so much of a kind of psychological thriller and then you're watching the whole time and there's certain points that you're like, holy crap, can't believe that happened. Can't believe this happened. And it'll keep you entertained throughout. So what would you rate this movie? Four and a half out of five scalpels. Okay. I think you went a little higher than me. I gave it four out of five. But I also didn't know what I was going into. Oh. So, so then I really liked it. But I love going into a movie not really knowing what it is. Like if we're at home watching something, I'm just kind of, you're like, you want to watch this? I'm like, cool, great. I have no clue what it's about, but I'll watch it. I think there's something to that. When you watch something without... Any expectation, not hearing any reviews, sometimes you like it more. And I think that's why in the beginning when certain movies come out and they build a hype around them to where there's a first wave of people who go and see it and love it and rate it very high. And there's a second wave of people who go based on those reviews. And those are the movies that end up being dubbed as overhyped. But I think when a movie is overhyped, it had that initial like it was really great and it was that good. But it can't meet that expectation once you go into a movie knowing that somebody said this is one of the greatest things you're ever going to see. So I think we kind of fall to that sometimes on reviews of like saying something is overhyped. So I went into it knowing it was already going to be good. I read some reviews about it. 
And now that it's been nominated, I know about that aspect of it. But also, I think there was other parts of it that I know why some people wouldn't like it. So I gave it the four out of five nurses outfits. That was my other ranking system. Your other ranking system. So I think it's great. The only problem is, now that all these Oscar movies have been announced, some of them are available for you to rent, and some of them are on streaming services. So the other thing about this movie is we watched it a couple weeks ago, and you couldn't rent it yet. You had to buy it. So we now own this movie. We do. For $20. Don't know that we're ever going to rewatch it. I don't think so. It's very rare that I rewatch a movie now. But again, that's like going to a movie. We would pay $10 or more for a ticket. That's how I see that $20 price. It's like buying a ticket at home. See, so it's good that I watched it. Yes. We justify the 20 We justify the 20 bucks. But now you can stream it and rent it or get it on Blu-ray, whatever you like to do. But we committed to the 20 bucks. I I still think it was worth it. What we won't pay $20 for is we haven't watched Barb and Star. Oh, yeah. That's (laughs) amazing. So sometimes you got to justify it. You know, a movie that's a comedy like that, meh, I could probably wait till later to where it's like a five buck, four buck rental. But I'm glad we paid the 20 bucks to watch this movie. I think it is worth it. If it was in theaters, I think I would have enjoyed it even more and probably rated even higher. But I did like, I just thought it was weird that that option wasn't available at that time. So I think with all these Oscar movies, they should really have that down by now. That's even a, like a thing when, when things were normal and movie theaters were a thing, when the Oscars would come out, the nominations, it was hard to sometimes watch all those movies because some would be in theaters, some wouldn't. Some would be like in between of like coming out on DVD before, you know, the Oscars actually were and everything's kind of delayed now. But I think it should all be available now. Once they're announced, you should be able to go stream and rent these movies. So they got to get that right. We we took the $20 hit so we could come and recommend it. Exactly. Public service. Public service we do here. But anyway, <laughs> that is what we think about Promising Young Woman. All right, we'll do a little bit of movie news to close out the podcast. My favorite headline from last week was probably that Ace Ventura 3 is in development at Amazon from the same writers of Sonic the Hedgehog. How many times in this podcast could you talk about Sonic the Hedgehog? Oh, I don't know. I think I've met the quota for this one. But... I think that'd be interesting. I don't know if Jim Carrey's attached to it yet. They haven't said, but it's just in development. And I know these stories come out very, very early on about movies being in development. But this is really the only one that's got me excited in a while. I mean, just because if they do get Jim Carrey back, I feel like this movie has a little bit of hope. I know they redid Dumb and Dumber with him and Jeff Daniels, which was terrible. But I don't know. There might be something there. And then also in movie news is the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League came out last week and I saw a bunch of people pretty much split on the reviews on this. And I thought Justice League was an okay movie. The thing about that movie, it was already pretty long at two and a half hours and now this Snyder cut is over four hours long. So it's basically like a mini series of the movie. But I was never excited for this. Like I felt I don't really like movies to be that long anymore. Like, an hour and a half movie is, like, my sweet spot. If I could watch a really good movie in an hour and a half, it makes me love it even more. Two hours, if it's really great, and then it has to be one of the best things I've ever seen to be over 220. It's got to be a Marvel movie. A Mar- that's really the only thing I want to see. Potter. Yeah, over 220, is, that's the only thing that kind of meets that qualification. It's like, a really big, high-budget movie. But other than that, like, over two hours... I think that's the great thing about movies and what I love so much so much about them is the brevity of it, that you get an hour and a half, you're placed into this world, and that's where you live in that 
now with TV shows and long form like this, like it's just going on and on and on. I don't really like director's cuts. Like, I don't really understand the appeal of that, of like, oh, this is the way the director wanted the movie to be seen. But I think what the craft of making a movie is, is cutting out all the extra stuff that you don't need and the art of getting it down perfect to tell that story. Now, if you have unlimited time, then you're just, you're not really making a movie. It's, I think it takes away from the filmmaking. And I don't want to watch a superhero story be told over four hours. I don't think anyone wanted to see Ben Affleck as Batman for over four hours. For over four hours. So put that out there. It's just weird to me that there's so much of a buzz around this movie and it wasn't that great of a movie to begin with. I don't think going back in and reshooting some scenes and putting it the way he wanted it to be put out will really change much. It's like taking a burnt piece of toast and trying to scrape it off. It's still burnt toast. You know, my burnt toast analogy. It's quite an analogy. That's that's how I feel about the Justice League Snyder cut. And then I also realized and forgot that I'd cancel HBO Max because we really got into their TV shows that came out. We did over Christmas over break. Over Christmas break. But since then, there hasn't been like anything great on there. And I now have Paramount Plus. Which there's not much great on there either. There's not yet. But it's only... I got it on that 50% off deal. So it only, was only five bucks a month. And HBO Max is the highest streaming service at 15 bucks, And for not a whole lot of, of movies over there or even TV shows anymore that we haven't seen, I don't feel like it's worth it. So I'm not going to renew it right now to go watch the Snyder Cut. We pay almost that much for Hulu, and I'm over here only watching Grey's Anatomy on it every oh, week. Really? <laughs> well, but I think, I feel like Hulu has more TV shows than... No, I it, watch more TV yeah. shows, but we, that's like $13 a month. That's true. Well, we may have to reevaluate our streaming services. Yeah, goodbye to Paramount Plus. It's already paid for for a year. Okay, well, I've paid in full for Hulu. <laughs> okay. Well, all right, that's enough movie news for today. Um, before we get out of here, we got to give our shout-out of the week, which you we do every single week. All you have to do is uh, hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, or on email. It's moviemikeD at gmail.com. And this DM actually comes to us from Mr. Mailman Brandon. He says, all of the talk about coffee on this week's podcast is really making me want a cup. I'm a casual coffee drinker. I grew up in Michigan, so my favorite is Bigby. Have you ever had their coffee? I've been to Michigan. I think I went to some random coffee shop that I don't remember getting. But like we talked about last week, my default to kind of when I'm in a place in a city for a very limited time, I just try to find the nearest Starbucks. If there's happens to be a coffee shop around i don't really seek it out but if there's one a local place around i'll go to it and the thing about when we are traveling for work and when we were doing stuff on tour you don't really have a lot of time to explore the city and i know there's great places of all the cities we've been in but sometimes you just got to get what's close so i haven't had big b in chicago but i would like to try it i'm michigan. always in michigan what'd i say chicago oh chicago where did we go in chicago that we got really great coffee well, there was a Starbucks in the lobby of our hotel, so we started our day with that. But there was also that place from across our hotel where we stayed, right? Oh, yeah, that Italy. Which Italy. Is a chain, but it's a great chain. Yeah, they had really great coffee. I think we went at night, and I got a hot coffee there. We did. We went there like, we ate there like three times. Yeah, we did. That place was great. So that is uh, our coffee talk for the week. So if you didn't catch that segment last week, we talked about the use of coffee in movies and then went on 
on our history of coffee because we love coffee. We do. We're we're drinking one now. I'm drinking the same coffee coffee I was drinking in that last episode. But appreciate that, Brandon, for those messages. Thanks, everybody, for listening and downloading and being subscribed to the podcast. Brand new episodes come out every single Monday. So make sure you're subscribed. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, hit that five-star rating and write a quick little review. It literally takes like 20, 30 seconds to do that, if that. And it helps me out over there on the podcast rankings. And then if you don't mind, go follow me on TikTok. I am on the journey to reach 10,000 followers on TikTok. So I am at Mike Distro over there. Speaking of coffee, I brought back my series that I used to do on my Instagram of drinking things while listening to music. So if you go follow me there, that is the series I'm trying out right now. I feel like everybody just does dumb, random things on TikTok. And then they kind of have a series that blows up. And it's literally people saying, like, how is that even a thing? Yeah, I want to know how it's a thing. I literally, I asked you to sit with me while I ate lunch today and talk to me and keep me company and tell me about your day. And your response is, (laughs) I have to film something for TikTok first. So everyone, please go watch this video of him drinking coffee. That was more important than having lunch with his fiance. Please, (laughs) please go watch it. The important thing is I also rate the drink I'm, I'm drinking so you know whether or not to try it. That is the catch to that segment. Okay. Sure to tune in. (laughs) There you go. All right. We'll talk to you guys next Monday here on the podcast. And until then, later. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.